0: Hello and welcome to Fourth and Five, your Longhorn Nation podcast. I'm your host, Will Bazer, and I'm joined alongside by Darius Terrell as always. You guys listen to the Hornscast channel, which you guys can find on any podcasting platform out there. Today we're going over the story of the week, Urban Meyer says no to Texas. Where does that leave Texas? And how did Texas even find themselves in this position in the first place? We're going to go over all of that in today's episode, along with just a quick overview of what happened against Kansas State. And because it's really background to everything that's happening right now. So Darius, let's go ahead and jump right into this Kansas State game. It was a huge judging, and it was sort of frustrating for Longhorn fans to see all of that after nine weeks of frustration, especially on the offensive end. However, I think you and me are both on the same wavelength here when we say don't let that go to your head because we feel the majority of Texas' 69 points were just Kansas State being really bad. We didn't get to preview them last week. So we didn't, weren't able to tell y'all how much Kansas State was really hurting, but boy, were they hurting. And Texas took advantage of that.
1: Well, yeah. Um, and hey, how's everybody doing? But um, going back to yeah, where you first started, Will, what did you say at the very beginning of that about that Kansas State game?
0: A lot of fans are frustrated by... Frustrated. So right there. By Tom Herman seemingly misusing talent.
1: So right there, Texas fans are frustrated Okay. After kicking the crap out of Kansas State on the road in Manhattan. That's part of the problem. Nobody expected that. Okay. Why not be happy for the team, happy for the kids, happy that they came out and played well? Mm -hmm. All right. I'm not going to get on my soapbox today, but yeah, Kansas State was bad once a couple of their guys got injured too. They have no depth. And yeah, that this was one of those few rare times, in my opinion, over the past decade or so where the talent on paper, you, you actually saw it. You saw a talent disparity that rarely happens. So it was fun to see that it was good to see that I was pleasantly surprised with the offense against Kansas State. And I was also equally surprised at how poorly the defense played for the majority of that one. I mean, a win is a win. Again, Texas rolled up some they could have broke some records. They could have had some guys go for individual records rushing if they wanted to that game. And uh, I'm, I'm just glad they got out of it, got out of it relatively healthy. You know, of course, you know everybody knows about you know the injury with with, with Kerr and You'll touch on that in a second, but um, yeah, I mean they they got out of it healthy for the most part. I know Jared Wiley was banged up too, but a win at Kansas State is always something that that's something that you should never take for granted, in my opinion.
0: The talent disparity between the teams it really made Deuce Vaughn's performance look that much better. I mean, that dude, it, of all the running backs Texas has faced this year, Deuce Vaughn. Seemingly the best one of them right now.
1: He had the best performance for sure. He had
0: the best performance for sure.
1: Yeah, and crazy thing, like they they were mentioning during the broadcast about him, you know, living in Round Rock. Deuce Vaughn is the son of former Texas cornerbacks coach Chris Vaughn. He was here briefly, yeah, during Charlie Strong's stint. And for those of y'all that remember too, Chris Vaughn had to leave suddenly, and there wasn't really much of an explanation for that. But I think...
0: Cha-ching, cha-ching, That's history. Cha-ching, cha-ching. That has
1: history at the program. I have to have played a part in them not showing much interest at all in the younger Vaughn, with him being 20 minutes from campus.
0: Well, on top of that, you were bringing in Bijan Robinson. Or Bijan well, Robinson. So to counter
1: that, to, counter that hey, to be fair, Texas also had committed, Remember that class? Ty Jordan, right? Ty Jordan and Deuce Vaughn are about the same size. True. And Todd Jordan had him a heck of a game Saturday too. I heard. I haven't. Seen, I still haven't seen those highlights. But he had 150 some yards. So Will, they could have took both. Man, they could have took both. It's a miss, but I understand.
0: Well, they went after John Harrison instead. So it is what it is. It, at that point, it it's it's a little yeah. difficult to see who is better at what.
1: We complain about Texas struggling to recruit their, you know, their, their surrounding areas, but that's not one of the circumstances where we can really criticize them. Yeah, it, it, it makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, but but, but moving, moving on. Moving on,
0: you definitely saw the guy who we just talked about, B. John Robinson, explode. And really, a lot of that has to do with Kansas State's defense. The defensive line was hurting. The middle linebacker, who's usually a middle linebacker, was playing safety. The cornerbacks were off. Everything was off. Sam Ellinger was actually doing well through the air, so they couldn't just focus on the run game. And that allowed B. John Robinson and Rashawn Johnson to explode. Now, yeah. we know B. John Robinson is good. We know he's good. However, I think Darius and I are on the same page here where don't annoy B. John Robinson yet. Don't do what you did with Caden Stearns after his mm. freshman year. Let B. John Robinson— no, I, after,
1: after after one good game, after two good games. Right. Not even his freshman year, after two good games. Right,
0: no, Yeah. we know B. John Robinson has something there. Like, we did know mm-hmm. Caden Stearns had something there. However, don't go ahead and say, this guy is the next messiah. Right, This guy is the guy right. who's going to bring Texas football back. He's going to be right. a first-round draft pick. I do think that he has that potential, but let's wait and see. However, on the same side, I think you know he's had that talent since week one. I'm concerned why he wasn't in there sooner uh, during the season. Running back is not one of those positions where you have to really learn the system. Giving him more reps in live game action... Would have brought him to where he is right now a lot faster, and you could have used him against Oklahoma or against Oklahoma State or against Iowa State even more effectively.
1: Yeah, I just, I remember Bijan in the UTEP game. I remember in the first, you know, the first three or four games of the year, you could tell he was still adjusting to the speed mm-hmm. of it. He was moving too fast sometimes, you know, getting to the line of scrimmage. And he mentioned it after the game in his post game interview, but, and it was clear again, Kansas State, there were some ginormous holes to run through. They made Roshan Johnson look like a first or second day draft pick. You know what I'm saying? But um, the game's clearly slowing down for him moving forward. And and just real quickly, I want to nitpick. I would have preferred Bijan to get those punch in touchdowns that that Roshon got. You know, had Bijan have a five six touchdown game so that we can you know to sell it in recruiting, make some headlines. But anyways, the game's slowing down for him. He's been solid in pass protection. And the best part about him and Roshan running the way they did. Ellinger didn't have to run it all, yep. and also, Will, there's no running the ball without those five guys blocking up front, and um, I think we need to we need to love up a little bit on Jake Majors. Yeah. We need to love up a little bit on... Uh, he came a long ball. way from
0: the first game of the year where he just did not look ready, and yep. turning it into what he was at Kansas State, he got some time in the program to learn it, more time in practice to understand the system, and... Boy, you know, if you could have known how well he was going to do in live game action, it would have been nice to move Kerstetter over to that right tackle earlier.
1: In their defense, and I'm, of course, you know, there aren't a lot of Herb Hand fans, you know, right now that, you know, folks that follow the Longhorns. But um, I keep wanting to call him Taylor Doyle for some reason. Please be better than Taylor Doyle. But um, Jake Majors is a lot bigger than he was when he arrived in January. Yeah. Again, Kansas State. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. That's not the strongest barometer. But, oh yeah, not, um, yeah, not just, at all. No, you, you start to play the what if game when you see if maybe if that guy could hold it down in the middle. You had Cosme. Kerstetter is looked much 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 more comfortable, and he looked more like the guy that we had grown accustomed to when he was back out there playing right tackle. Christian Jones. I don't think his answer at left tackle. But I was also excited about some stuff I saw from Andre's carriage when he got the opportunity. Oh to. yeah. Um. When when the injury to Kerstetter happened, they first put in. I don't know if if, if folks noticed. They bumped, uh, Okafor back out to right tackle. Uh oh. They subbed in Rafidi Jermai at right guard, and that lasted one series. <laughs> and they put Okafor back at guard. They blew Christian Jones back to right tackle, and they finally put, put the true freshman in, Carriage at left tackle. And, uh, he had a block on that, uh, reverse to Jordan Whittington, where he, he, first off, he, he helicoptered that guy, knocked him off his feet, then he dove on him. You saw some flashes of some nasty, and, um, you saw the stuff that you saw, um, from him as a recruit, and that game makes you feel a hell of a lot better about the line heading into next year and moving forward than you could have imagined prior to the game. Yeah, right?
0: it makes the line issues seem a little bit more superficial. Like, we talked about it in the last game. We were looking at how they performed against some of the best defensive lines in the country in West Virginia and Iowa State and how they did until they basically got out coached. and it makes you think, hey, if you had a better coach here in the offensive line— who knew his best personality, knew how to teach them, then you potentially next year have a pretty good offensive line, or at least not a as big of a drop-off as you thought you probably would. Now, they're bringing me to Kerstetter, right? We you never want to see what happened to Kerstetter ever happen to anybody. Mm-hmm. However, luckily for him, and I don't know if there's an MRI yet out there, so I could be off here. We'll probably learn about this today when this— Show when the show comes out. But if there's no ligaments or muscle tears there, and it right now it just seems like it's a dislocated ankle and a broken fibula, then that is something that you can come back from. Is, as ugly as it looked, that's something you can come back from. Yeah. If he can put up numbers like he did last year, not this year, when he was at right tackle, where he looked really good at right tackle, you move him to right tackle next year, he, he can come back next year and you move him to right tackle. If he's healthy... Oh.
1: I forgot it can come back. I Kerstetter wouldn't. He's got enough tape. Well, I, Yeah, I but
0: there's going to be questions about that ankle and coming back on that.
1: That's true. That's true. That would be really big. Getting Kerstetter back for another year would be really really big. Mm-hmm. That so, would be like that would, that would be like you still in getting you a big-time grad transfer. Yeah. Off the mark cuz you weren't expecting
0: it. Exactly. So, next year, that off the line again. Big if if Kirstetter doesn't have any ligament or muscle injury right there, a mm-hmm. dislocation and a break If there's no nerve damage there, because, I mean, it was backwards, then you can come back from that. And if he can, that's a huge, huge boost to your offensive line next year. You have him at right tackle. You have Carrich at left. You have Majors in the middle, Engelau at left, and then uh, Isaiah Hookfin at right
1: guard. You have a competition at right guard.
0: Yeah, well, Isaiah Hookfin's going to win that.
1: Or you can get you a grad transfer. Or you can get you a grad transfer. Yeah, that too. There's going to be plenty. So
0: you have options next year. You do. So that offensive line, it was not looking good, but you know, I'm convincing myself, hey, next year maybe not be that mm-hmm. might not be that bad.
1: And real quick, while we're talking about next year, just think about the possibilities. If the offensive line is okay, right? You still got Bijan, you still got Roshan running the rock. All right, you got Brendan Eagles, you got Jake Smith, Jordan Whittington, you got a healthy Troy Mary, you got Jared Wiley, like it starts the own paper. That's that's that is as loaded at the skill position as it's been a while right
0: yeah and you have Casey Thompson who's been working with them for three years or Hudson
1: Card or Jaquendon Jackson so you gotta it's the possibility for excitement is there for improvement yeah just something to think about in the future just moving forward but anyway so
0: talking about next year right it's funny we get to that because a lot of fans are really really excited for Urban Meyer Mm -hmm. and we learned that Urban Meyer said no it's not official. It's never really gonna be official because there is never a head coaching job out there. I don't have to do push-ups.
1: No, you have. You definitely have. to do No, push-ups. it's been.
0: It's been under ten days. No,
1: no. Yeah, no.
0: It's been under ten days. It has been way under ten days. Way under.
1: There's been no official announcement, like you just said.
0: It, it, we're never gonna get one. No, no, am I gonna no, have no, 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 no. You should. You,
1: you should have thought about that before you agreed to the. That, infinite man. push so, so what day? That's what day do done we done decide
0: me. that I that the infinite push-ups are done?
1: When, whenever an uh, actual statement from Urban Meyer comes out that he's not accepting the job. So it's never going to happen. It's, it's you, never going so so to happen, so I'm never going
0: to have to do these push-ups because they're just going to keep on adding on.
1: You, you're going to be the swollest. You're going to look like Channing Tatum. That was the stupidest bet you could. That was dope. You didn't think about that. You didn't think about that.
0: Well, what, what, what is, is When is the bet going to come into fruition When as soon as he makes that statement? But he's never going to do that, so it's um, never going to yeah, end. Yeah, so
1: every time we log into the Zoom, log into this podcast, you should be doing push-ups. <laughs> And I'll count them out for everybody on No, there. I'll
0: start doing the push-ups when the statement comes out. That's when I'll start no, doing push-ups.
1: Um, like, like like you were getting that, though. Um, so let me real quick. This is how this plays out. Say this whole deal doesn't happen. Quote, this was all media-driven, and Tom Herman has always had the full support of Chris Del Conte, Jay Hartzell, and the entire Texas Athletic Department. We don't know what y'all are talking about. There was never an offer made. Was there contact? Sure. Was there a preliminary? Was there some talk? Sure. Of course. Was there an offer on the table? We don't know what y'all are talking about. Tom Herman has always had the full support of the Texas Athletic Department. <sighs> that's, that's how that goes. We don't know what the hell y'all are talking about. That's how that goes.
0: See, <laughs> that's going to be difficult. So
1: That's what opens up the door, and we're going to get into it right now. We're going to get into it, but that's what opens up the door for his return. But go ahead. Well, Because this never happened. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. What are you talking about? Right. Who? I mean, what? to fight, you know. That, that was all y'all. That was all media. That was all fans. I don't know what y'all are talking
0: about. Texas is in a familiar place right now. If you look back through the history of Texas, you find out why you are here. That's basically what I've done for the past few days is I've gone through and I've talked with friends and I've been formulating why and how Texas got to the position they are in right now. And really, it all boils down to disconnect between the boosters and the administration over decades that led to an identity crisis in the Texas athletics that created a lot of these trust issues between the boosters and the administration. Now, every college football program has the relationships with their boosters. Some are more harmonious than others. Texas is, is not that harmonious and it it's very well known that it is not. It used to be. It used to be during the Mac era and then there were two others. Two other times where the boosters and the administration were on the same page. There was a 1920s and 1930s where you had Dana Bible was out there. He was basically the Nick Saban of the day and the boosters in the administration said, all right, we're going out and getting him no matter what. It was basically what they did with Urban, where they went out and they were paying their head coach at the time $5,000, went out and got Dana Bible on a 10-year contract for $15,000 to be AD and coach tax-free, which back then was, pff, whoa, mind-blowing. Dana Bible is your head coach and then he becomes your AD. During his time as AD... That was probably also one of the more harmonious times in Texas's history was the hiring of DKR, where Dana Bible had enough clout, like Urban Meyer would have had, where he could tell the Boosters to pound sand and hire DKR. He had either Bobby Dodd, who was at Georgia Tech and is a Hall of Fame coach. He was going to hire him or DKR. And he couldn't get Bobby Dodd, so he said, Boosters, Pound Sand, we're taking DKR, and the Boosters are like, hell yeah, we're with you, Dana Bible. However, the division within the program, the Boosters, the fans, the administrations, the academics, it all started to set in the day Fred Akers was hired in 1977. Daryl K. Royal was on the hot seat after a few lackluster seasons, and the inability to top the young new coach, Barry Switzer, the administration wanted to keep him, but the Boosters wanted him out. And so the Board of Regents basically went above the heads of the administration and kicked DKR out of the head coaching role saying, don't let the door hit you on the way out, while simultaneously keeping him as the athletic director and replacing him as the head coach with their pick of Fred Akers. Fred Akers was not a bad coach. I mean... He's the coach of what-ifs and was a really, really good coach. Took Texas to almost two national championships. But he would never have the full support of Daryl K. Royal, who wanted to stick it to the donors. The donors and the, the administration, again, butting heads over Fred Akers in his role. So Fred Akers never had the full support of the entirety of Texas. Now, during and after... Fred Aker's era at Texas, the long and short of it is that the administration took control, but they weren't as focused on football as they were in other areas, like being an upstanding institution. They had presidents and admins who were academics first. And really, that's not a bad thing. You know, where are you going to university for? It's to get an education. However, it becomes a bad thing when you're trying to hire a new head coach and you rely on athletic revenue to support Your academics. So Texas became a university that didn't know whether it wanted to play football or school. And this led to an identity crisis that led to failures in football, which would in turn lead to trust issues with boosters again. Along comes the 19, you have 1977. Fred Akers is hired and there's the division there. Along comes 1984 and it is time to fire Fred Akers. You know, boosters have had enough with Fred Akers. Fans have had enough with Fred Akers. He had just not gotten you over the hump. And the administration now under DeLoss Dodds, who, my God, DeLoss Dodds was there forever. They wanted to keep him because he was relatively clean during the rampant cheating of that era in the Southwestern Conference. That is the era of the Pony Express and everything that happened then. The two parties during this 1984 season and into the 1985 season are butting heads over Fred Akers. The two parties basically leaving Fred Akers on death row for a year, and everybody knew it. There was no way Fred Akers was going to make it. The relationship there was ruined. But they left him in there. The administration left him in there. The disconnect between the boosters of the administration allowed for Fred Akers to stay for another year. What that allowed is for AM, SMU, OU, other out-of-state schools to rip Texas apart on the recruiting trail and to sow the seeds of the next 15 years of mediocrity into the Texas program through that year of inaction. Now, let me real quick go ahead and interject on myself and say, in general, you would like your administration to... Be the one who is competent and capable enough to conduct and spearhead a coaching search. The athletic director and the the president of the university leading a coaching search with help from the boosters, with connections to potential targets, and money. The last few weeks where the administration went out to go and try to hire Urban Meyer is actually a pretty good example of what you might want, even though it was unsuccessful. Now... The Texas administration in the 80s and 90s, not great when it comes to hiring. And the administration's unfamiliarity with sports leads them to replace Fred Akers with Dave McWilliams. And then after that with John Makovic because the administration's, one, didn't know the market value of a head coach. When they went and tried to hire the hot coaching candidate of John Cooper, they offered him less than what his assistants were paid. Or, they didn't know exactly what they want, which is what they got in John Makovic. In turn, McWilliams was terrible, and Makovic couldn't politic his way out of a plastic bag. This leads to the boosters starting to really lose faith in the administration. You know, again, it's setting up for a lack of alignment and butting heads between the two groups. The Lost Odds, meanwhile, during all this, you find out, okay, this guy is not a great hire of coaches... And the Boosters were tired of mediocrity. They basically forced him to go after Gary Barnett. And Gary Barnett at that time was the first tier national darling of the country for taking Northwestern to win the Big Ten Championship in 1998.
1: And for the record, I think Gary Barnett would have done very well at Texas.
0: Yeah, and DeLos Dodds was in the midst of talking with him until the Boosters basically forced him away from Gary Barnett and to hire Mac Brown. Now, Mac Brown was ultimately successful, as we all know, and that gave the boosters a sense of, we know what we're doing. lost Dodds, and him basically paid back the boosters by giving them a lot of power in the athletic department. While you had about as close to what you were going to get in terms of alignment in the full power of the Texas brand and money and everything that Texas has to offer into alignment it still left you nurturing an unhealthy relationship within the administration and the boosters. The administration starts to push back a bit. And you saw this when they tried to kick out Mac Brown in favor of Nick Saban. The Lost Odds again did what he did in 1985. He didn't have the guts to pull the plug in large part because Mac Brown hated Nick Saban. Hated Nick Saban. Nick
1: Saban was going to erase his legacy or whatever he had built. (laughs) <laughs> he couldn't let that happen
0: that's exactly why so then the boosters went ahead and did it for him by hiring the only guy in their search who said he would have no reservations about firing mac brown not all over luck steve patterson now the steve patterson era the turbulence of that era well documented and i don't think the coaches administrations boosters fans players, anybody was in alignment or really, you know, understood each other. The full power of Texas was definitely not in alignment there. So that led to the boosters trying to fix their mess by bringing in their guy, Mike Perrin, and forcing through their poorly researched hire of the hot new thing with visible issues with inconsistency in Tom Herman before they hired an athletic director of either Oliver Luck or Crystal Conte, a guy who may have already been there and would have helped the boosters potentially avoid this. So, that leads you to today. The situation Texas finds itself in has a little aspect of every major program shift over the past century. Though yeah, the right call is probably to reach out to Urban Meyer. He was the only guy who had know-how on how to run a football program and clout to tell the big money donors to basically pound sand. He was the closest thing to Dana Bible in this day and era, aside from Nick Saban. This hire was probably the only real hire that the administration and the boosters would have been the most aligned on. And that's surprising given the administration basically overlooked what he had done at Florida and Ohio State. It shows you where Texas is. You know, they're they're tired of the mediocrity. However, it was an extreme long shot in a year where coaching talent is hard to come by and really evaluate. Their hastiness on firing Herman now leaves Texas in a precarious place. Now, don't get me wrong. Tom Herman did not help himself out at all. He has no allies with the fans, the media, boosters, and administration. He didn't help himself by winning in a year where the Big 12 was down and he had a lot of talent on both his teams. He wasn't helped out by coronavirus and the fact that he didn't get an offseason, but that's more of an excuse than it is a reason. Still, I don't think he's a bad coach. He's not a great coach, at least not yet. He might be one down the line, probably not going to be at Texas, but he's not a bad coach, as I've said in the past. Right now, he's probably more a middle-tier coach. But Texas allowed the Texas media, the boosters, and online message boards to paint them into a corner where it's gonna be near impossible to bring Tom back. Chris Del Conte has a lot on his shoulders right now.
1: Let me let me interject real quick, talking about Chris Del Conte and his role in this whole thing. Let's forget all about the high of the Texas deal. Act like that never happened. Will Chris Del Conte's been He's been non existent. He I remember when he first he was a guy that you couldn't get to stop tweeting on social media and interacting. He has been radio silent. Yeah. And that, that says a lot. If there was any way, any possible way that Tom Herman could be brought back or would be returning, Del Conti would have said something by now. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, yeah. At this point, you've basically poisoned that well. I mean that relationship, it's a broken relationship. Bruce is poisoned that well. They told Chris Del Conte that they're going to be pulling a lot of money off the table if Tom Herman comes back. And on top of that, it's a broken relationship. You basically went out on a date. If this was a person-to-person relationship, you basically went on a very public date with another person while you were married. You can't come back from that. You can't come back from that. The writing is on the wall. Yeah, on top of all this, the jump to fire Tom Herman back in October without a backup plan outside of a Hail Mary shot at money-whipping Urban Meyer, who had no need for the money and all the leverage, completely blew up the 2021 and 2022 classes. So it leaves you in a spot where if you don't get this next move right, it could send you back decades. It could send you back decades. If you keep Tom Herman and he doesn't succeed, You know he doesn't win 10 games next year, then it will be like 1985, where you could set yourself back quite a while. The hanging is going to be a lot more public with Twitter and TV and the media as it is in this day compared to 1985. Now, if you miss on the next coach and get a B- minus coach, then the brand is going to take a hit, and the program is going to take a hit that could take... Quite a while to recover from. You know, this coach couldn't get Texas back. This coach couldn't get Texas back. This coach couldn't get Texas back. You know, is it a problem with the coaches? Or is it a problem with Texas? That's going to be the narrative at that point. I think, so I think what you can take away from all of this, from the Texas history, is that Texas football's most successful transitional periods in their history came when the full power of Texas was behind it. When you had the boosters, the administration, the fans, and the players behind it, and really more so the real where the real power comes from—the boosters and the administration. When they're in alignment over the direction of the program, Texas finds success. So again, as I was talking about earlier, this is on Chris Del Conte. This is where you're going to see what you hired an athletic director. Does this guy have the guts to bring the boosters, the fans? Altogether, does he have the understanding, the experience to make the correct call? You know, Cristo Conte is in a tough spot because when you look, again, when you look at the landscape of coaches out there, you're really searching. You're really searching. It's not, it's not a great year, uh, as, especially with coronavirus. All the guys you thought you were going to go after, they've had not just bad years, not years that you can overlook, terrible, terrible years. So... He's going to have to make a decision on Tom Herman and or conduct a coaching search. He's going to have to nail that decision. And then once he's going to have to be really, really convinced of that decision. And once he does, he's going to have to sell that decision to boosters so that that decision has the full resources, the full power of Texas behind it going forward to make sure it is successful. If it doesn't have the full power of Texas behind it, You'll see what happened against Charlie Strong. You're going to see what happened with Tom Herman. You're going to see what happened with John Makovic. It's not going to work. With the field of candidates not being clear, clear uh, answers, it really has me worried that the next hire will not be flashy enough or promising enough to bring these two groups together, the administration and the boosters. This means the booster support for a backup hire, it may not even be there. So then... The money for a buyout of Tom Herman may not be there, so you might be stuck with Tom Herman if you can't get the right guy. And then it's going to be worse than 1985. Texas is really going to have to rely on Chris Del Conte's expertise here in more areas than one. But really, at the end of the day, it really sucks that Texas has been forced into this corner where it really can't keep Tom Herman. Again, he's not a bad coach. He's not a great coach. He has way too many close games. But in a year where there's not a lot of clear-cut answers, he's a guy that it would have been great to stick with to at least see if he can turn it around or probably get another year of data to find a better coaching candidate. But as I said before, the well's been poisoned. You basically cheated on him in public. The writing's on the wall, and you've been calling for his head since October, really since the beginning of the season. You know, you said if he doesn't get to the Big Twelve championship at the end of the season, he's not the guy. Uh, and who know, was that it's... started
1: by? Because I remember prior to this year starter with prior to this season starting, I was seeing that stuff from you know Oklahoma boards and other places. They were the first ones talking about where Tom going to get fired after this year. And I, I never understood that, and and I'll be damned if. Oh, Texas better win this year with all the advantages. And they lost to Oklahoma and the fire Tom Herman deal that it came to fruition. Like it, the seeds were planted by people that have nothing to do with the Texas program or Texas media or Texas fans. And I just feel like the folks that follow this, first off, it's way, it's, it's so many places that cover the University of Texas, right? Anybody and everybody, you know, they, they use that because it's, it's automatic clicks, but. I have a hard time when we really sit back and, and think about this thing objectively, especially coming from where Texas has come from in the past over the past you know seven eight years. For a guy to go seven and six, you know, coming in right after Charlie Strong and win a bowl game, which some Charlie Strong couldn't do, get to a bowl game the next year, win double digit games, win a Sugar Bowl, and then the following year he went eight and five. Still dominated the bowl game. Third place in the Big 12, not what you wanted, but you were just in the Big 12 championship, which you hadn't been in for nine straight years, a decade prior to that, Will. Mm -hmm. But but somehow heading into this season after going eight and five and coming right, coming off the Sugar Bowl, it's this guy better win 10 games or he's fired. He he was screwed from the get-go. And I'm not making any excuses for Tom Herman, because I'm not that you know, forget all that. But it's a bigger issue. Because I, again, I've grown up in DFW my entire life. I've been here my entire life. It's a melting pot. The state of Texas, like, well, if you ever go to Louisiana, right, you know that you better be showing some respect towards who LSU, right? Mm-hmm. You go to Georgia, you better be showing some respect towards the dogs, who, who, who Alabama. You ain't coming in our state talking crap, talking crazy about, about about Alabama, unless you're Auburn. Maybe Auburn, right? But you come to this area to, te- to DFW, you go to Houston, you're going to, outside of Austin. And even in Austin, some, like, dude, there is no pride. Folks come in here, they move here from other cities, other states, and they come here with their chest out about Ohio State, and I'm an LSU fan, I'm Oklahoma, and and nobody, no native, there is no pride. Like, you couldn't even fix your lips to go into St. Louisiana and say, forget LSU, I'm a – it it doesn't happen.
0: You can't do that in Arkansas. I mean, that kind of comes with the territory of having – business and commerce and success in the state along with five other major universities. I mean, what is Oklahoma or Alabama or Arkansas really going to beat their chest about other than my football team?
1: But it's, it's so complex, but that's part of the issue. will and then you have kids like Shamar Turner, like Quinn Ewers that grew up Texas fans Mm -hmm. and they're like, eh, where everywhere they go, they're hearing people talking shit about Texas and nobody has any pride. So what I, I like, what? Well, well, damn, I can't go to Texas, even though I really want to. I grew up root for him. I got to make the best business decision for myself. And it's constant. It never stops. So then for people that have nothing to do with the program, for your competitors to set the narrative where he better win everything this year or he should be fired. You bought that crap because nobody knows there's no pride. And then you get it coming from AM. Like It just doesn't stop. Everybody hates Texas. And, hell, Texas just takes it, man. Like, they don't – there's no pride about the program. I'm picking my son up from school today in Mesquite, Texas, and I'm sitting behind a damn Ohio State sticker on a dude's car. While next to that, guess what he got? Texas Rangers, Dallas Mavericks, Dallas Cowboys, then Ohio State. Like, come on. There's no pride. And until that changes – and it probably never will change because you're outnumbered, it seems like now – it's going to always be like this, Will.
0: Well, yeah, that kind of goes into the whole Texas allowing themselves to be – Painted into a corner by all the hype.
1: And it, even for a second, we bought into it. I bought into it. Well, I was part of that after the TCU loss. I'm like, forget this guy. After Oklahoma guy, forget this guy. But when you step back, it's been a lot better than where the hell you just came from. Yeah.
0: And the grass is not always greener on the other side. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. But at this point, at this point, other programs can use the narrative and mm-hmm. say Tom Herman is a lame duck head coach. Mm-hmm the jump to fire Tom Herman basically blew up his class in 2021. It would blow up in 2022 and he didn't get to make a choice on whether Tom Herman was going to stay or not because the boosters were very vocal and you saw a 24 seven post about it where the boosters were very vocal about Tom Herman and his team. Tom Herman again has not helped himself at all in this position. They have not, we're not, this is not a defense of Tom Herman.
1: It's not a defense of Tom Herman so much as it is a Texas media. What the hell are y'all? What are you doing?
0: Basically, at this point, the next hire is so consequential for Texas. It is so consequential for Texas, and this year, this year is not a good year for head coaches. It is a hard year to evaluate a team. It is a hard year to just, just keep it a buck. Well, this
1: ain't the year to be trying to change and find a coach.
0: Yeah, it's it really isn't. And your
1: opponents knew that when they first put the narrative out there and you freaking took it. Well, I know it's not going to happen, right? But what I would do, what I would try to do, <laughs> if I'm the people running things at Texas, I'm admin, I'm Jay Hartzell, I'm Chris Del Conte. End of the year, signing days over, I'm coming out to the public. I don't know what the hell y'all been talking about this whole time. I never said anything about Urban Meyer. We never met with Urban Meyer. We never spoke with Urban That's Meyer. That's not gonna work. I I understand y'all. See what you're saying, but look, I'm I don't know what the hell y'all are talking about. We have had I believe in Tom Herman. Hartzell believes in Tom Herman. The entire athletic department believes in Tom Herman. And coming off this eight and three season, we're excited to see what's going on in 2021. And yeah, it's bull. It's it's crap. But will you <laughs> cannot? It's it's. They're, they're going to make change just for the sake of making change. And this 2021 class that Texas has right now that's going to sign, that's supposed to be signing, okay, outside of – well, they've got three players. If you take a look at – and I'm not I, – I do my own rankings, but for the, for the public's popular sake, if you look at the 24-7, the composite, which has everybody's put together, Texas is going to end up signing three, okay, of the top 35 players in Texas. What you're going to do, you're going to bring in a new coach – and he'll be okay his first year. He'll be okay the second year. And then this trash recruiting class that you have right now on top of that 2019 class that suffered so many injuries. And then the 2020 class, it's not going to be, there's going to be a narrative about that. Oh, so much talent again. And the truth is it ain't that much talent. You're setting the next guy up to fail. Well, you're setting them up to fail. Here's
0: the, here's the other side of that is uh, if you miss, again, I, I agree with you. If you miss on the next head coach at this point, you could set your program back decades. However, if you don't get rid of Herman now, the lame duck head coach thing is going to be used against him. The 2022 class is going to take a hit. Bigger, it's, It could be as bad as a 2021 class. And if you cut ties now, you are able to get a honeymoon period for the next head coach. Who it, there's, enough, there's enough talent on the campus right now to win. There's enough yeah. talent where, where the runway to winning is not going to be, you know, it's a shorter runway to success.
1: Do you know who's on the schedule in 2023, 2024? That's Alabama. That's Ohio State. They're going to kick Texas teeth in. You are
0: set, you are setting yourself. you
1: that's that's what the, that's what the
0: frustration is for, for Longhorn fans. You're damned if you do. You're damned if you don't. If you get rid of, it's their fault. It's your fault.
1: Texas fans, it's your fault. Texas media, it's your fault. You're chasing your tail. You're never going to win that. You got to let somebody, you got to give them time. You, you can't keep switching. But this was this was not the year, man. This was not the year.
0: Yeah, it, that, that's and that's the issue is you've painted yourself in this corner, so now you have the biggest points for keeping Herman have nothing to do with Herman. Another year of getting another year's worth of data points to make a next next hire, saving a lot of money. It's not about believing in Herman as the long-term guy. It's about the next step up. And if you're at that point, if you're at that point, then you have to cut ties. You have to. It's going to kill your program in the next year. While you have talent on campus, while you have top 10 recruiting classes on campus, you have to bring in some guy who at least can give you a honeymoon period. Uh, You know, Even Charlie Strong, he wasn't that great of a head coach. He didn't have that many ties. He was terrible. He wasn't that great of a a recruiter. He didn't have that many ties to Texas. He was still able to bring in a top 10 class during his honeymoon period.
1: So if they bring Tom Herman back next year with what we just mentioned earlier, and Texas wins 10 games next year with a redshirt sophomore quarterback a a redshirt freshman quarterback, we really don't think that class is going to be any good. So
0: that's the thing is at CDC –
1: Because they're not going to fire their freaking coach out to win in 10 games.
0: Yeah, no, here's the thing. CDC, what needs to happen going forward is CDC and the boosters need to be in alignment in a direction going forward. And that's the only way Texas has had success in the past is when the boosters and the administration – are in alignment. You were as close as you were ever going to get to that. You were actually there with Urban Meyer. If Urban Meyer came to Texas, you had everybody in alignment. Keeping Tom Herman, the administration and the boosters are going to be out of alignment. And it's going to be a repeat of what you have with Fred Akers. At that point, you know, I was all aboard keeping Tom Herman until Texas forced themselves into this position. Now, the only way you're going to get the most alignment between the boosters and the administration is an actual coaching search, an actual coaching search. And if CDC can find a guy who is promising enough or he does well enough in his interviews to convince the boosters, the board of regents and the administration that he's the guy that's as close as you're going to get at this point. I don't see anybody out there who's going to do that, but you have at least a chance of it happening rather than if you bring in Tom Herman, if you bring in Tom Herman, there is no alignment. There is absolutely none. But if you bring in somebody else, there is a chance that the alignment happens. And that is again, the only time where programs in general have success is when there's an alignment in every single group. And it goes down all the way to the high school level. If the program is an alignment, the people, the fans, boosters, the coaches, the athletic director, if it's all in alignment, then you're good. I mean, we saw what misalignment between coaches and athletic director and boosters, how that shakes out with Charlie Strong and Steve Patterson. CDC is much better. If you can get CDC and boosters to be in alignment with a coach, then that is as close as you're going to get. You're not getting that with Tom Herman. The ship has sailed because boosters have basically, and the media and fans and everybody, have even CDC a bit, have basically left Tom Herman out to dry.
1: There were a I I didn't count them, but I think you said if like eight times and then you mentioned you just ran down the history. This administration, athletics, they've never They've been on the same page twice over the span of 100 years. But now all you're doing and then you're going to bring in another coach and all they're going to do is be crying about that coach. A year after he's hired, you're chasing your tail but i mean it's it's going to keep this cycle is going to keep repeating itself and again i i never expected and i said it on the podcast through 3 weeks ago i never believed the texas admin and the folks in charge were half the balls to hire urban Meyer.
0: they were they, they were close i think yeah, they had close, they showed close, the balls close, the, close, administration close, finally, close, the administration finally the administration finally finally close. went into fuck it yeah, we don't care no, that much about there, being an upstanding no
1: there's no close. You either get the deal done or you don't. And for the second time now, because they didn't do it with Nick Saban and they didn't do it with with Urban Meyer, it's not about football with Texas. It's about it's about football with Oklahoma. It's about football at sorry ass Texas AM. and It's about football at Alabama. It's about football at LSU. It's not about football at Texas. It's too much other stuff. I'm not surprised at all. And even, and even if they somehow got Urban Meyer, they wouldn't let that man do his job. They wouldn't let him do what he does. So they, they still would have messed it up. They called. I think they called. Flash in the pan. They got lucky with Mac Brown, like you said. They didn't want to hire him in the first place. They have no clue what they're doing. No, with no, to hire a new no. Coach.
0: Darius, but that's the thing. That's the thing. Is this administration is different than ones in the past? This administration shows a little bit of gumption, a little bit of a gut. They have some balls. They went out and chased Urban Meyer, and by God, they put everything on the table in order to bring him in, and he just didn't do it. He didn't bite. It's There's no shame in that. That is not on the Texas administration. But no administration before this one would have done that. They didn't do it with Nick Saban. They did it here. That's the difference. That is the difference. And you've also seen with Chris Del Conte, not only has he done well with fans and boosters, but he's done well with coaching hires in other sports. You see it. Especially when I mean, you were talking about it on Twitter with Vic Schaefer and women's basketball, that is looking real, real good right now.
1: Well, that's not a good example. Vic Schaefer had took Mississippi State to what three Final Fours and a national championship. Vic Schaefer, is a, Vic Schaefer is a unanimous top five coach in women's basketball. That was a big balls hire. They will They can't. They will They can't do that in football. They can't do it. Nobody gives a crap about women's basketball, so he can go do that. They can, they can money with a guy in women's basketball. They they can't do that in football. It's too big of a sport. It's too much for him. It's too big. But that was a hell of a hire. Absolutely. But everybody knew Vic Shaver would be a good one.
0: I disagree. I think Urban Meyer was more of a health issue. I think it was not so much. There were, there was alignment. There was alignment. There was what was missing like when you in 2013 when you were chasing Nick Saban. You had it here. And the only thing that stopped it was Urban Meyer saying no. We had where the administration was, yes, football. The boosters were, yes, football. And the fans were like, yes, football. But the guy said no. You can't do anything about that.
1: But remember, none of this ever happened. You know, uh, never talking to Urban Meyer. What are y'all talking about?
0: Yeah, the, for the next guy up, I, I think at this point, at this point, you know, you've poisoned the well with Herman. I've said that I don't know how many times. You missed on your first choice. You're going to have to go out and you have to do a an actual coaching search. You're going to have to believe in the guy that you hired in Chris Del Conte. And Chris Del Conte is going to have to do what he has what his job is, is rally, get all the BBs in the box as the Lost Stars used to say, and get everybody going in one direction with this Did new. Chris coach. Del
1: Conte hire Gary Patterson. How many coaching searches has he actually done throughout his career? You see what I'm saying? Because Patterson's been at TCU forever. Why should we have a ton of confidence in this guy?
0: Chris Del Conte, everybody is forgetting this. Everybody is forgetting this. Cristal Conte was the creme de la creme of athletic directors when Texas got him. It was a joyous holiday when Texas brought in Cristal Conte because, my God, how can you get better than Cristal Conte? He's had some great hires at TCU. He ran the program very well. He came in immediately at Texas and changed everything and did a wonderful job doing that. Everybody is forgetting that Christel, what Cristal Conte did at TCU and at Texas in his first few years.
1: Chris Calaconte hired Vic Schaefer. Did he
0: hire the men's baseball coach? Did he hire the baseball no, coach? No, he did not hire the men's baseball coach. He didn't hire Pierce. That was that was Mike okay. Perrin. Okay. Chris Conte is the tennis coach and the women's basketball coach at Texas. I believe maybe even the softball coach. And the softball, I think, I could be wrong. The softball. He did
1: get the softball. That's what I was and thinking softball, about. i Mike softball White. Softball is Mike like
0: White. nationally ranked yeah. one of the better. Okay. So he's yeah. he's has a track okay. record of knowing how to hire coaches in the athletic department. He is. It, made Texas yep. athletic department actually pretty good. And the guy who he didn't get to hire because the boosters forced it in was Tom Herman before he came in. So that's where you stand. Crystal Conte, give him a chance to make a hire. We're going to learn a lot about Crystal Conte in the next month or so. Give him a chance to understand the situation at Texas, give him a chance to make a hire or keep Tom Herman sell and get the alignment of the boosters. If he can do that, if the boosters and the administration can come to alignment over one single direction and get the media on board because you know that every media has the boosters as their big source when it comes to all this, then as long as you can get this program going in one direction, at least or an understanding of a direction, then you're in a good spot. I don't think that you're going to be able to do that with Tom Herman. So the next guy up, whether and we can go over a few of those guys, but that is the only way going forward that that's going to happen.
1: Yeah, and I'm going to backtrack too. I was just I was going to start questioning Chris Del Conte, but he 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 made the softball hire, which was huge. He took away um, a top coach from Oregon, but he money whipped that guy. He took away a top coach from Mississippi State. In a way, he money whip that well, guy. Well, you're
0: going to money whip anybody at Texas. You're going to money whip every right. one of these next candidates that's right. coming in.
1: But uh, so, but he hired proven, established folks. You see what I'm saying in both right. of those sports. And you don't have where, any of those, I, where is that guy? That's, that's yes.
0: That's that's the where, issue. Where, where is he? That is where the is issue he? coming into this year, and that was the issue again. And and, and that's why I think,
1: in a way, you got to try to bring Herman the ass back. But I got you. I
0: got yeah, that you. was the reason. That was the issue. That's the issue. The reason why you know going after Urban Meyer without a backup plan the bo- the boosters pushing for Urban Meyer without a backup plan in a year where you don't have a proven guy who has 4 years under his belt at a power 5 conference you know that is shown consistency and basically everything that you look for or the, at least like you know the the things that you look for like what Dan Mullen was at Mississippi State when he went to Florida there's not anywhere really that It's like, yes, this guy here. Because you were looking at P.J. Fleck. You were looking at James Franklin. You were looking at Cristobal. Mario Cristobal. All three of those guys, if you've taken a look at their records so far, not great. So, here's where you're left, Texas fans. You are not getting Kyle Shanahan. That's not happening. He is pretty good in his spot at the 49ers. You're not getting Davos Sweeney. You can kick the tires there, but not likely happening. And even then... Is it Dabo Sweeney, who's a really, who's a good recruiter and a really good base, or is it his offensive and defensive coordinator? You're not getting Urban Meyer; that's already been passed. You're not getting Nick Saban. Those are all the coaches that would have been like, "Okay, that is a sure thing happening."
1: And Dabo Sweeney has not been the um, he's not been the best example with this whole you no know, race stuff and everything going on either.
0: Yeah, I mean, but when you're winning, it doesn't matter.
1: Uh to some people,
0: that's true um here's where you are left uh we've been talking we, we put out a list on and there's been guys that I heard in my own circles and we'll go through that list now Gary kubiak is one of the top guys who you're gonna be again all these guys are not like for sure things these are guys who you're gonna bring in for interviews and, and try to understand who they are the first guy being Gary kubiak and I had to be sold on this I really did I mean Gary kubiak man that's, that's just when you hear that name, it's just, it's hard. It's really hard. But
1: recruits, recruits are going to say who?
0: Right. Yeah. So that's
1: not giving you your little recruiting boost either. No,
0: but, but so I, I mean, I had to add, ask a friend to sell Kubiak on me. I really, I, I did. And he, here's where he brought me. He said he's a good offensive coach. He's one of the best at teaching the outside zone and play action based offenses. The Texas has already spent a year trying to teach our offensive line how to block the outside zone. With mixed success, so it's not like it's a scheme that is foreign. Obviously, the offensive line coach would be paramount because Alex Gibbs at his previous stops was what really propelled him to do that. Uh, he's won a Super Bowl, and he has NFL experience, so that will probably help on the recruiting trail. I mean, just flash the ring. It would help with Arch Manning because of Peyton Manning. You, you, have in, you would gain instant credibility with the players because you're mature and a likable adult, unlike what you have right now with Tom Herman with the head coaching experience and a good, has have a good network of assistants to pull from. And on top of that, being an NFL coach means he understands the pressures of being a CEO and the aspects of that job. He's also, again, really good at the X's and O's. However, the downsides to him, he has almost no college experience. He has one year at Texas A&M where he was a running backs coach. Beyond that, he's been a completely NFL coach and being a college head coach is vastly different than being an NFL head coach. I don't know how he would do in recruiting because he's never done it. Uh, you know, I don't know of his capability as a recruiter. And most good staffs, good recruiting staffs, have a good recruiting head coach who could be a closer. And uh, again, his last Super Bowl, his only Super Bowl with the Denver Broncos, he was basically propelled by a historically great defense and. A Peyton Manning who wasn't himself, but was still a pretty good offensive mind who could run his offense. Uh, also has health issues, and he wouldn't be around forever. He would be pretty much in a similar position where Urban Meyer is. And I don't know if after three, four, or five years of him, you're in the same spot or he can groom a good successor to be at a blue blood college program.
1: Yeah, and I'll be quick with all of these, but, um, my deal with QBAC, I, I don't know a whole lot about him. I, I recognize the name for being the Houston Texans head coach. Um, and that's about it. Um, he's not going to excite the fan base or excite, um, he might excite some high school, uh, coaching staff, sure. But, um, let me also be clear that a lot, sometimes folks say, Oh, that kid's, that kid's coached by a bunch of guys that, you know, like this school. To, Coaches have very, very, very little influence um, on these kids' decisions or high school coaches. The, I don't see how QBAC helps with recruiting at all. I'm also not a really big fan of a guy that's never coached at the college level and then 100%. trying, you know, expect expecting them to adjust, you know, to be able, again, it's Texas, right? You're supposed to be, you know, Texas is not supposed to ever lose leading less than 10 games. I have a hard time with that one.
0: Yeah. I think the next. Even though I
1: understand, I understand some of the positives you were saying. I hadn't, you know, I understand it. I just, it doesn't. It doesn't
0: the next tier, the next guy in this on the same tier right here is Dan Mullen. Uh, we've been talking about Dan Mullen since, you know, back when we started to get some doubts about urban Meyer like last, last week. And despite what the say on the site, I don't think Dan Mullen is very likely. And again, we've already talked about what he's done. He's taken Mississippi state from being a bottom feeder, built that program, evaluated, developed, became a number one team in the nation he built a program. He's doing that right now at Florida. They are very good at Florida. Mm-hmm. Kick the tires there. See if you can money whip him over to Texas because that is your best, next best bet, really, when it comes to head coaching. But I don't think a lateral head coaching move is what he's going for. I think the next move he's going for is NFL head coach.
1: I think Florida is every bit as good of a job as the University of Texas is. I think Florida would is capable of matching any money offer that Texas could. I don't understand or see any reason why Dan Mullen would leave Florida, especially as he now seems to have, you know, gotten his feet underneath them. Um, they're a top ten team. Why, why leave that to go start over again? Right. I've seen that name. I just I don't understand why he would want to leave his current position
0: Right. do this. So those are the probably the top two names that Texas is going to go after after Urban Meyer. Here's where I think we start getting to guys who I would agree with in terms of. I think you can get the fan base behind them. I think you can get the boosters behind them, but you're going to have to put on some hard sells, especially for a guy like Luke Fickle. And Luke Fickle, the reason being that, you know, hard hard sells because he's another G5 coach. I don't think that CDC is going to want to go after a G5 coach, another one. I think he wants a guy who has P5 experience. On top of that, he has no ties to Texas and he reminds Texas fans of Tom Herman and Charlie Strong, a chief five coach who's coming from the AAC who had success. Just the fact that he's not an exciting name. However, the arguments that I have for him are, yes, he doesn't have ties to Texas, but that doesn't bother me because neither did Charlie Strong. And you can address that with staff hires. You know, he, I feel like he's different than Charlie Strong and Tom Herman because his success is not pinned to having a quarterback carry his team like Bridgewater and Greg Ward did. Desmond Ritter is a good college quarterback, but the run game is what sets them apart there. You know, if he can go this year, I don't care if it's a down year. It's a down year or whatever. If he can be... It's like Urban Meyer taking Utah and beating Alabama. If he can go in and he can win a big six, an NY6 bowl game, then with an undefeated season, that's he built that program... He's shown consistency. He's developed the players. That's good enough for me. You know, that goes above and beyond the whole AAC thing. And then also, Fickle would, be in a, would have the benefit of inheriting a much more stable situation than either Charlie Strong or Tom Herman did. And I think he's a better head coach than Tom Herman, at least so far. Uh, again, if he can kick that Cincinnati team in an undefeated season, regardless of it being a down year, you take him.
1: Luke Fickle was the interim head coach at, at Ohio State, and we've now seen you know Ryan Day, Ryan Day be the interim and take over. We've seen Larry Johnson last week be the interim. Um That especially playing in the Big Ten, where I mean let's let's keep it on let's be let's keep it real. The Big Ten's not good; it hadn't been good. They don't play anybody, and that that seems like a like a kind of like a vehicle that drives itself there at Ohio State program. But um, Luke Fickle, he's another guy. You know, Texas recruits are going to go who? You know, never heard of the guy. Um, to be fair, they do have a pretty good wide receiver committed in the 2022 class who's from the state of Texas, Randy Masters. He um, he flipped from Baylor, but, you know, Baylor's got her own issues right now. Um, I just – I don't see, especially like you mentioned a second ago, after the Charlie Strong deal and Tom Herman, I just don't see um, – I don't see any way they can go G5 to P5 again. The you got to get somebody – yeah. you got to get somebody that's been there and done it before. I, I like Cincinnati this year. I've been impressed with them. I just you, you can't you can't do that again. I don't I don't see how it could happen.
0: I think it could happen again if he goes through an undefeated season. I think that's the way it happens. That's where I would go with that. Yeah, I just
1: I don't I don't see it.
0: Like you said, it's going to be hard to sell fans on that, especially boosters on another G five guy. But if you can get enough hype behind him after an undefeated season in a New York Six Bowl. And say, look at the look at the consistencies had at the program, taking a four mm-hmm. and eight program in Cincinnati from Tommy Tuberville, mm-hmm. and turning into an 11 win season, 11 win season, and the only losses being to Ohio State and barely losing to Mike Norvell, M- Memphis Tigers, who went on to be really, really good, then an undefeated season. It's going to be hard to say, okay, well, this guy is worse than Charlie Strong or worse than. Uh, Tom Herman, especially Tom Herman, who was consistently inconsistent <laughs> at Houston.
1: I think Luke Fickle is a guy you try to hire after his next job,
0: which is Penn State or Michigan or something like that. Yeah. So it's my, gonna you either get opinion. him now or you lose him. I think. Uh,
1: I think you can you pass on that gamble.
0: The next guy I think you go after is Matt Campbell. And boy, that's a tough one. That's a really tough one to sell because he's been inconsistent as well. He has. I mean, look at the very beginning of this year. He lost to Louisiana. Terrible,
1: terrible loss. Last
0: year, he lo- He almost lost to a D1 AA school in UNI. This year, he's again been inconsistent. But if he wins the Big 12 at Iowa State, you take him 100%. I don't care that he's been inconsistent. If if you can win the Big 12 at Iowa State, an Iowa State program that has not won or even been to a conference championship or been in contention for winning a conference championship since 1912, 1912, Mm -hmm. you take him. This
1: is why I'm not with you on Matt Campbell, Will. Like you've been saying, everything you've just been saying, there are no expectations at Iowa State. There's no pressure on him to do anything at Iowa State. You know what I'm saying? That is the... Polar opposite of what it would be stepping to this job at Texas. I think he does a really good job of getting his guys fired up about being the underdog. Nobody believes in you. Nobody nobody recruited you from Texas. Nobody recruited you from Oklahoma. That works at a place like Iowa State. You, you got to have something different when you get the big time job. You know what I'm saying? I think he's in a spot where, again, he's in a good spot to, to always hype his guys up about being the underdog. Nobody respecting them week in and week out going against the bigger schools. And there's no pressure at Iowa State to do anything. If he goes five and six, so be it. They're happy to have him. I just, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not a huge Matt Campbell fan.
0: Yeah, it, and, it's and and
1: yes, they beat Texas the last two years, but Texas screwed that up both times the last yeah, two years.
0: That's true. Again, it's a difficult sell, but if you go out and win the Big Twelve, then you've seen in conference. You know, he knows the conference. He's won it. I would want to know who his prospective staff hires are. If he's not going to go out and get the best available, then I'd have questions. But if he goes out and is like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to try to get the best of the best, the best of the Mm -hmm. best guys, the best on the offense. And if not Chris Ash, then the best of the best, I'm not going to bring my guy, everybody over from Iowa state.
1: You know, he's going to try to, you know, but um, let me go on a record too. Let me go on record too. I think, Oklahoma's gonna beat the crap out of Iowa State in the Big Twelve championship. I
0: probably probably what's gonna happen. Yeah, you know it's again it's a difficult difficult year to find a catcher staff. In the next guys, there's three guys who come probably come after this: Steve Sarkeesian. drunk Mario Cristobal,
1: just lost again. James Franklin is what one in four, two and four,
0: not having a good year, and is on the ropes at Penn State.
1: <laughs> so we're gonna go. You gonna go try to hire the guy that's. They talking about fire.
0: Yeah, but that's tom- <laughs> but right now, Chris Del Conte wants a guy who has Power 5 experience. I think the only guy that you could sell people on is Matt Campbell. And I'll have to do more research on Matt Campbell and what that would look like at Texas, but it's still a tough hire. It's still a tough sell. You know, like for reasons you said, it's a different job.
1: And it doesn't help recruiting
0: yeah, but you also look at him and he he has ties here. I mean, I think I think Texas you can recruit. I think you can just Matt
1: Campbell has Texas
0: ties. It, he has Xavier Hutchinson there. He had Charles Wright. He had he has guys. He's gotten guys out of Texas. It's not like he's never recruited here. You have to at Iowa State. That's where I think Texas is at this point. You have Matt Campbell, Luke Fickle, Dan Mullen, and maybe Gary Kubiak. I'm sure there's more names that'll come out, but. Again, man, it was a tough year. Texas really painted themselves into a corner here with their head coaching hires. I do like the Matt Campbell idea. There's issues there, as we've pointed out. But I think, you know, it's going to have to be whoever can knock the ball out of the park in their interviews. That's what's going to have to happen. They're going to have to bring a guy who's coming in and says all the right things, says I'm going to go out and get the the best coordinators out there. You know, having...
1: For both Charlie Strong and Tom Herman, the initial hires were huge red flags
0: exactly so you have to have a guy who's going to come in and you're going to look at who are your initial hires who are your initial hires right now who what what is what is the staff you're going after here if you can't get a if you can't get one a who you going after who's b who's c on that same note will how do you
1: how do you get this promotion as a head coach and not take the folks with you that got you there
0: that's the issue but that's why at these interviews, you're going to, have to ask questions like that. Like, who are you bringing over from your old staff if you come to Texas? You know, John Haycock, maybe. Maybe it's a good call. But
1: who else? But your argument goes that you need all of those guys. That was your, That's how you established your culture. That's how you built what you built. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just doesn't work like that. Now, I've never seen it work like that, at least, to where a coach, especially a coach moving up from a smaller job to a bigger one, is able to assemble this, you know, tremendous staff. You know, it's, it's always the guys that have already done it. You know what I'm saying? That's the Sabins, you know, the Sweeneys. Those guys get who they want with the This, this Ohio State. They get who they want. But it doesn't typically, I don't remember it ever really working like that in a circumstance like we're talking about right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's going to be difficult. Again, it's going to come down to Crystal Conte, his understanding of what it takes to win at the Power Five level. And understanding what they're looking for. Texas fans are going to have a lot to learn about what who Del Conte is, what he's going to bring to your program, you know, how good of a hire he is. So far he's looked pretty good at understanding where to go and what what you're looking for. This is a really big challenge because I, mean, as I don't know how many times we said it, not a great year to go out looking for a head coach. So he's got his work cut out for him. We're going to see. Okay, Texas, what did you put your money in in Del Conte?
1: Yeah, it's going to be, this is going to be his hire. I'm interested to see where it goes. I just, you know, you hate, you hate that, um, that, yeah, that like you're in a situation you're in. You let your enemies plant seeds and <laughs> they knew your folks were going to run with it. <laughs> so, um, you know, they, they won this go around. You, they, you know, you, we made, Texas made it easier on, on everybody else this go around. they cherry picked your recruiting class. The playing field got leveled a little bit this year. So this offseason is going to be fascinating. Well, I'm I'm excited about it. You know, regardless of whether I'm excited about the current options that that we're discussing.
0: I'm just going to watch basketball. That hey, has, that is
1: just basketball in general or are you talking about Texas no basketball? No, Texas basketball. Hey, right. hey, hey, I need a healthy, a healthy soccer smart. Hey, that roster looking nice. The Rockers, That roster's looking real nice. Folks look improved.
0: If you can get Andrew Jones scoring, you know, that, that Villanova game, it was just begging for a third scorer. It was just begging for a guy, <sighs> guy to come out and be your It'd third come.
1: scorer. I'm not – Crazy about Andrew Jones and Courtney Ramey being out there at the same time. But it's going to come. It's going to come. And you've got pieces. Kai Jones is, is the next lottery pick from Texas. They got two lottery picks this year. We're not, I don't know about Greg. I don't know. This is a, it's going to be a good draft. But Greg, I, they got two first-round picks on this team. True. Matt Coleman has improved. That jump shot has improved.
0: Oh, it's so good. Brock
1: Cunningham. I love watching Brock Cunningham play. He does all the little stuff. If you're on another other team, you can't stand. You can't stand his ass he'll stand out there and D up. He'll dive on the floor. He'll take charges. And he hits corner threes. Uh, they got pieces, man. They, they got, got pieces. pieces. It's, <laughs> and
0: it seems like Shaka Smart has been able to really put them together well, at yeah, least absolutely. early on here. I mean, yeah, Villanova, you're a turnover or two away from mm-hmm. winning that game. That's all the difference
1: was. we a couple turnovers late. And
0: Villanova has won
1: two out of the last four national championships. There's no question watching the teams. Villanova was the more fundamentally sound. Of course, sure. Yeah. But I was I was impressed with Texas did not look out of place. Texas looked are they looked more talented than Villanova and that gets you excited.
0: And with Kai Jones and Greg Brown in there, Andrew Jones getting back into his game. I mean, Andrew Jones at the end of last year was thirty eight percent from three during a Big Twelve play. If you can get Andrew Jones, Greg Brown can come along. He's not gonna come out, you know, no lottery pick at Texas has ever been except for Kevin Durant has ever come in and been like wow right off the bat you've had flashes but he's never been a complete player yeah, immediately not
1: too many Kevin Durant's out there
0: yeah if Greg Brown can come along Kai Jones can come along and Andrew Jones comes along you're getting better this team's going to do something cool so that's what I'm gonna watch I you know sure we have the the search going on but at this point frustration but
1: yesterday was a good Sunday for basketball will men and women even though both teams lost you saw culture in place for both programs you, you see you see the arrow pointing up but um, yeah, I'm just you waiting on it to happen in football. I I think I hate that things have gotten to where they were again. I think it could it could have been different, but I mean, hey, you mix in you know on top of that, you know everything going on, Tom Herman's personality. So it's just it's just unfortunate, man. But it, it's it's really tough to fire a coach after going seven and three, eight and three during this pandemic. You know, but whatever, whatever, man. It is what it is, and you know, I'm I'm interested to see where it goes and when it goes down.
0: Yep. Well, on that note, y'all, that has been Fourth and Five, your Longhorn Nation podcast. I am your host, Will Bazer. And you guys can find me on Twitter at W I L L B A I Z E R. My man D T. Where can we find you?
1: Same place on Twitter. I've actually been talking to uh I've been talking to two or three folks all day in my DMs, just asking questions, just you know, just being just being Texas fans. So hit me up, man. You can hit me up on the timeline or in the DMs. I'm here to chat with y'all um when possible about whatever. Um Thank y'all for tuning in. You know, we always appreciate it.
0: You guys can find our stuff on com. We've had a lot of stuff. I mean, there's fun stuff coming out. There's going to be more stuff coming out. I'm probably going to put what I said in today's episode about the history of Texas into some better words, into an article there. It'll be my first in a while. It's been busy. You guys can find Darius's stuff there. It's always good. Or you guys can find our other shows and other podcasts right here on the Hornscast channel. It's the worst against you on any podcasting platform out there. We have a basketball podcast coming up probably in two, three days. Uh, but, yeah, thank you all for listening. We will see you all. Signing week. Hook them.